Welcome back, everyone. This is Eric Ellison with the Digital Education Podcast. And if you've been listening, we're, we're in the midst of a series, um, just short series with one question, who's missing in our schools? Um, and in particular, we're asking the question around school leadership. Today, I'm with a, a friend that really I've gotten to know over the last seven, eight months, kind of pre-pandemic, through pandemic. And he's uh, he's written a blog for Case and he's doing... Um, He's kind of editing a blog series on rising leaders for Case. But Matt, I'm going to ask you that question. Um, who's missing from our schools and in particular from school leadership? Well, Eric, thanks for having me be a part of this. I think when I think about who's missing from our schools, um, there, there are a lot of people missing. Uh, you could uh, coming to mind, coming from a background where I wasn't necessarily at Christian schools and then coming to a Christian school, that's uh, more of a covenantal school, I would say um, a lot of our schools are missing the lost um, where students who maybe don't have a faith in Jesus Christ aren't are allowed to enroll. Um, uh, the others that I look at that are missing are, um, you know, students um, that are allowed to doubt and that are allowed to be uncertain in their faith um, in some schools, not everywhere, but in, in my experience, that's, part of what troubles me when I think about who's missing, but I also think just who's missing. I, I live in Texas and, you know, if you look at the demographics of our state, the overwhelming uh, population 18 and under is uh, that of Hispanic or Latino heritage. And yet private Christian schools don't seem to be focusing on that or thinking about how they could grow to represent um, the most widely, you know, part of our population uh, that exists right now. And that, that bothers me. Um, and I think that some look at it and say, well, there's a lot of assumptions and, you know, there's an assumption that, um, those with, you know, Hispanic ethnicity are thinking that if they are going to go to a Christian school, that there's an assumption they're going to go to a Catholic school. And so why are we going to spend time recruiting or, or focusing our uh, admissions teams efforts on that? group of the population. Others are saying, well, there's not a high percentage of the Latino population that's coming to um, private schools. And so why are we going to try and create a new trend? Um, let's just go with what's already in motion. And so there's a lot of focus on, you know, people who have already identified their desire to go to a Christian school instead of kind of the unreached people groups um, that aren't currently in Christian education. Uh, near the representation that they are as a part of our community. And so to me, that's, that's the largest group that bothers me that we're not spending more time thinking, how are we setting the table? How are we creating an open door and a, a kind of rolling out the red carpet for um, the Latino population? And that we can say, hey, you're welcome and you're celebrated and we love having you be a part of our schools, especially in a state like Texas. Um, so for me, that that's a, a big part of kind of what I think is missing um, in our efforts and, and in who's on campus right now. So, so let me ask you, cause, cause you go a bunch of different ways with this because there's some, some really good research just in education in general and in the school choice literature about families and, and how they choose schools and then why, especially um, Latino families don't necessarily choose schools of choice, even in, in different places like that. But before maybe we go that direction, I want to take it a little bit different direction because one of the things that, that, that we're learning or we even see from the research too is that people will choose schools based on who they see in the classroom as their teachers 
and who they see in leadership positions. So if we want to be more invitational to that community, and especially in Texas and where I live in California, it's such a large percentage of our communities. If we want to be more receptive to them, how do we get professionals and how do we build up and grow and, 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 um, allow those professionals to lead in our schools so that then it is, you know, it's not just us bringing in this population, but it's us together. Yeah, that's a great, great point. Um, I think that's one of the difficult things that a lot of Christian schools aren't sure how to answer is we say we value diversity. We say we want to represent the communities we're a part of. Therefore, you have to hire people that look like the communities you're a part of so that you're creating a welcoming atmosphere and, and a place where a prospective student comes in and sees people in leadership and in the faculty that look like them. And so how do you do that? Um, you know, I think it starts with um, on-ramps at the university level. And so, um, and it starts with college guidance counselors like yourself, um, people who are helping direct students to majors and what they're going to study in colleges that they're going to study in. Um, because I think there's a lack of interest, I'm a, a little bit of assumption here, but a little bit based on my personal experience that, um, you know, especially within the Latino community, people that are coming out of college saying, yeah, I want to go work at a Christian school or a private school um, isn't necessarily a common theme you're going to find. That's more of an outlier uh, stereotype or a person who would be willing to do that. Um, more commonly, what I'm seeing in the schools that I worked with previously before here, uh, which were predominantly Latino um, population schools were people who had come from those schools, gone to college, gotten a degree in education and had come back home to their community to make a difference and an impact. And so in the same way you see in applications for students coming to your school, the number one reference point we have at our school of why someone applies is because their friend told them to. And so, you know, through referrals, that's how people come to your school. Even in our minority population at our school, that's still true. Why are they at our school? Because their neighbor told them, hey, this is a great school. And so how you can create that within teachers who are looking for positions goes beyond job fairs and goes beyond just choosing a major. It's creating patterns and opportunities where there is a, a felt need by the teachers who are you know, willing to say, you know what, I think this is important. There's a value in me going to this Christian school to be a teacher because uh, almost a missionary mindset of I'm going to go there to show them that there's a need for this and to create a to create a new beaten path that goes towards that direction where they're not just the outlier or the trendsetter being willing to go out and do that on their own. And that's a really hard ask to ask someone to do because um, you're asking them to uh, overcome a lot of obstacles where um, there's a lot of bias and at times prejudice and maybe even underlying racism that exists in some of these schools where you're asking them to come be the one teacher who's Latino at the school or the two, you know, the second or third. And um, I don't think schools realize how hard that is when they're inviting uh, a, a teacher of color to come to their school, whether, you know, whatever race they are, it, it, it's really difficult. And, and I think that schools are beginning to understand that and, even at my school, I'm seeing conversations about this where it's, hey, let's listen to our current teachers who are teachers of color and ask them, hey, how is it? How are we doing? How are we making this experience for you? Um, you know, what are the things that we, we have blind spots to that we don't even realize 
within our faculty, not just within our student population, but within our faculty and administration. Um, when we're doing searches for new administrators, um, are we hiring search firms that can actually help us in that way? Or are we just posting the position blindly and saying, well, we tried, but we didn't get a good sample in our population pool to justify hiring this person of color because they, their resume doesn't stack up with our other applicants? And are we valuing enough that they are a different uh, ethnicity to say, you know what, that's even more important to us than maybe uh, that can outweigh some of the other superficial things on a resume because we value enough saying we want to look like the kingdom of heaven that we're going to allow that to bypass our traditional route of hiring. Are we willing to really let it change our systems? And so those, those are just some of the things I'm seeing um, that are that are needs. But, oh, you touch on so many good things, so many good things, because because there is some research in the business world about search firms and how they just cement the lack of diversity because they yeah. go to the same wells and the same pools and they're not thoughtful about creating, you know, different pathways for people to enter in who might not be your traditional candidate, who may not might not have had the opportunities for experience like other candidates. And so search firms are often detrimental to people's opportunities. And, and that's a different conversation. Um, the other thing is that you touch on a little bit is some of those pipelines, you know, to get teachers into your school and, and, and to have those. And we know that like, and I'm not, I don't know the Texas numbers, but nationally the numbers are about, you know, 30%, you know, schools of education are down, you know, population wise by about 30%. We're looking at teacher shortages of about 20%. Um, you know, so the question is, has your school given much thought to like, how do we, if, if the bigger picture, you know, is limited, how do we, how do we create better pipelines for our school so that then we can, so that we're not necessarily relying on friendships and relationships, but that we can actually be thoughtful about being more intentional and pulling people in you know, of talent who might be, you know, from a Latino background, especially in your community? Yeah, you know, it's, uh, I think it starts with relationships at the end of the day, I still think is the core, but the problem is the lack of relationships that exist in different places. And so to create those on-ramps and population pools, a school, you know, and this is, these are conversations I'm a part of right now at our school, who do we need to go build a relationship with that is a uh, you know, stakeholder, a person of influence within different communities that could serve as a, a pipeline to our school. And so some of it is finding a professor at a university who understands, you know what, this school values what I value, which is diversity and leadership. And so building a relationship to where it's not lip service when you're asking them for references of, you know, who might be a good candidate for a new position at your school, but they know you enough to know that, hey, this school really does value it. Look at the changes they've implemented. Look at what they're doing. Um, they are making strides in that direction. Uh, you know, besides identifying specific professors, another route is, um, you know, with student population as well as faculties, you know, are you friends with schools and, and school administrators that are kind of your mirror reflection? Um, so one of the groups I've been able to be a part of is a group of administrators where uh, I think there are two of us that are white in the, in the room when we meet. And there's about, you know, 15 different schools represented. All of the schools in the room are saying that they struggle with diversity and diversifying their schools. How they're struggling with it looks different. Um, most of the schools in the room are saying we wish our population looked more like our community, um, which is maybe they are 
a mostly African-American population, but their community around them is now a growing Latino population. Um, and others are, we're a mostly Latino school and we're saying, we wish we represented some of the our white neighborhood around us as well as the African-American community around us. And so it's become this collaborative effort where we're all bouncing ideas off of each other and we're solving for the same thing, but uh, how that you know diversity is painted within our school looks different, how it's uh, illustrated looks different in our population. And it's not just with ethnicity, it's also with uh, the demographics of just you know so socioeconomically, a lot of these schools have started and then the community around them has shifted. And so how do we shift with our community to reflect our community? Um, so I think a lot of it still is just friendships, relationships, but it's finding those stakeholders. Are you genuine? Do you have real friendships with people who are, um, you know, more like your school is trying to be and leaders in it to where they're saying, hey, I have a great teacher. I think you should hire this teacher. And you're willing to nominate your teachers just as the same to go to their schools because if it's a one-way relationship it doesn't work but if you're providing a mutual service for each other i think you can create real opportunity to grow and, and to change as a school matt thank you so much for the conversation it gives me so many ideas for follow-up conversations so thank you yeah absolutely thanks again for having me